0: After a further review, what worked and what didn't work from the Packers' win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and where does the offensive line go from here now that David Bakhtiari is working his way back? Is the rotation here to stay? Who are their best five? We try and answer that, plus talk with our friend Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company for another Expert Tuesday.
1: You are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We're to do it. Your
0: daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On
1: Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Pop! Every day. Touchdown. You're Locked On Packers.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the leap. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Play daily fantasy the way it is meant to be played with Prize Picks. Use the promo code Locked On to get that deposit bonus up to a hundred dollars. Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company is here for Expert Tuesday. He is great, um, and we're going to talk about um, the Packers' use of two running backs. Why that package is not working, um, what they can do with it instead, and other things like Romeo Dobbs' ascension, um, defensive adjustments, and a lot of really good stuff. Justice is awesome. He was on the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny to preview this game, so only seemed right to have him on to break it down before we get there. Matt LaFleur answering questions about David Bakhtiari in a press conference yesterday and he spoke about getting the best five on the field. He spoke about the rotation with Yash Nyman. We found out that this was something that they decided to do based in part because of the heat, based in part because they knew they wanted him to be on the snap count. And they spoke with a number of players, a number of coaches, a number of people in the organization. Talked to Brian Gudekinst, talked to Aaron Rodgers. Talk to David Bakhtiari, of course. Talk to Yash Lyman. Talk to the guys involved. Talk to the coaches, the offensive line coaches, Adam Stenovich, Luke Butkus, all these guys to figure out the best way. And it was a pretty unique situation where you have an actual platoon. Like, this is something we see sometimes in college with quarterbacks where you're like alternating series. We don't normally see this in the NFL with starting offensive linemen. Now, it's not to say it's unheard of. Uh, the Bears, in fact, were, were doing this a little bit with Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick just a week ago. But it wasn't as simple as, okay, one drive, one drive, one drive, one drive. David Bakhtiari ends up playing 53-ish percent of snaps. Um, but over 50%, Yash Naiman just under 50%. It ju- that just happened to be how this all shook out. And David Bakhtiari performed really well. Gave up one pressure. Um, Yash Naiman also... Gave up one pressure. And so that raises the question for me about where you go from here. What do you do when you have a group of guys that are playing well together and you have someone who has shown he can be, a, a I think, a high-level offensive tackle? Now, we can say that. At least in pass protection, Yash Naiman is... A, an, an easily above-average pass-protecting left tackle. Those things are rare in the NFL. The Chicago Bears do not have one of those. I mean, we'll, the, the Minnesota Vikings, would you rather have Christian Derrissaw right now or Yash Naiman? That's like an actual conversation worth having. And Derrissaw was a first-round pick. You know, the Lions are not going to trade Pinay Sewell, no doubt. Not going to trade Taylor Decker, but he is he is would would be starting, no doubt starting on other teams. Other teams in the division. Certainly the Bears. Now the Bears are a bad roster, but you look around the league. He'd be starting in LA for the Rams. He'd he'd certainly be starting at right tackle for the Chargers. He'd be starting for the Raiders. Devontae Adams is sick right now. (laughs) Can't get the ball. He'd be starting for the Cardinals. I mean, this is this is a, an NFL starter. Is Royce Newman? There's some disagreement about how Royce Newman played on Sunday. There are some prominent people on Packers Twitter, Andy Herman, Jake Morley, uh, and who thought that he was fine. Good even. I do not share that sentiment. Some of the worst, so the way I explain it, and I talked to Jake about this, he reminds me of Lane Taylor. And there was a year where Lane Taylor, you looked at the, the pass block win rate numbers, and he had really good pass block win rate numbers. But he didn't have great pro football focus grades, and the reason is because the bad plays were really bad. So there's... There are guys who like never make wild blocks, but they also don't make the catastrophic errors. They don't get beat early on a play where you absolutely cannot get beat early. Just hold up for the bare minimum of two seconds and this play is going to work. We know it's going to work. The reason I think Packer fans got so disillusioned with Lane Taylor was, his mistakes seemed to come at the worst times. They seem to come on third downs. They seemed to come when, when the team seemed to have momentum or when they had a big play dialed up. Or, you know, it'd be a sack fumble. And, and that's not all Lane Taylor's fault. But that, just, that was something that happened. And it felt like the, that 5% outweighed the 95% at times. And ultimately, that was why the Packers moved on. He also couldn't stay healthy. That was part of the problem there. Royce Newman had a true pass set grade from Pro Football Focus in the 30s last season. Not great, Bob. It has been below 50, two of the three games, including this most recent one. He gave up three pressures, gave up a sack. His bad plays end up being really bad. And that is part of the problem here. He is the weak link in an offensive line that is a weak link system. Even if, it, compared to other teams' weak link, he is not the weakest. Goodbye. He's not that guy. I'd I, it, On a good offensive line, he is a backup. On a mediocre offensive line, he's a starter. And on a bad offensive line, he might be a plus starter. He might be one of your top two or three starters. But that's mostly because he's an asset in the run game. He moves his feet well. He still has issues with stunts and twists, blitzes. And I just, I look at him and I I see a guy who would be better off as sort of a swing offensive lineman. Better off as, you know, the sort of guard tackle version of Lucas Patrick. Where if if he has to start four or five games because, you know, someone's out a month. You're okay with that. Certainly in a spot start situation, you're okay with that too. This was a top three offense last year with Royce Newman playing the entire season without Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari at the tackle spot. The difference now is they have multiple configurations of this offensive line. David Bakhtiari, left tackle. You could put Yash Nyman at right tackle. Elton Jenkins at right guard. That's probably right now your best five offensive linemen on the field. John Runyon Jr., Josh Myers. That's probably your best five. Just purely get to put the best five players out there. That's probably your best five. But Matt LaFleur said something interesting. He said, it's not just about putting your best five out there. It's about how those guys complement one another. So, and I think this is also important. You think about a basketball team. It's not just about putting your five most talented players on the floor at once. Yes, you can do that. And you probably should do that a decent amount of the time. But what you need is to make sure that you have a good balance. You need to have scoring. You need to have shooting. You need to have rebounding. You need to have playmaking and ball handling. And if you don't have all of those things, you may become less as a whole than the sum of your parts. Now, I think you can make the case that there's, you lose nothing from a complimentary standpoint by putting Elton Jenkins at, at right guard and Yash Nyman at right tackle. And I think you, you would do it that way because you trust Elton Jenkins to, to not have a problem switching sides. He played all over the offensive line in college. has played all over the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers. I, I just don't worry about it. And Yash Nyman was a right tackle in college. I think he could do it with minimal adjustment. We'll see. Maybe maybe one of the reasons he's playing left tackle is he just prefers that side. He just feels more comfortable on that side. So I don't I don't want to extrapolate too much. He's built like an NFL left tackle, that's for sure. And he's got the feet and the body and all of it. But I think you can also make a compelling case that if you if you want to put your best tackles on the field, that's a more important position. I think this is a little bit where that complimentary idea comes in. Malafleur was asked to, you know, to to parse this, to say, okay, is it better to have Elton Jenkins at right tackle if he's your best tackle? Because your best two tackles, when healthy, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, I think, I think, although Elton has had, you know, he's had some issues in the last couple of games. He's working his way back. I'm not, I'm not worried about it yet, but he's giving up some pressures. He's been a monster in the run game. And I think will continue to be a monster in the run game. He's getting his feet underneath him a little bit. But if if those are your best two tackles, then you need to find out who your best guards are. And to my eyes, Zach Tom is the guy that should be playing at right guard. I've been saying this since training camp, that the best five for this team is Bakhtiari, JRJ, Josh Meyer, Zach Tom, and Elton Jenkins. If you want to put Zach Tom at right tackle, fine. You want to put him at right guard, fine. I think you're fine with Elton Jenkins in either of those places. But they, they need to figure out how these guys fit together. And, you know, I think this offensive line can be really, really good. The five that started on Sunday against the Bucks, they're, they're not going to play the Bucs every week. And overall, they were good. Aaron Rodgers' pressure was not the reason that the offense was not making it work in the second half, although it was a contributing factor. We're going to talk um, tomorrow about some of the factors. We're going to talk with Justice about some of the factors. And how then Green Bay can counterpunch a little bit. That's going to be a key thing here. How do you counterpunch? Because Bill Belichick watched the tape. Now, they don't have the players in New England that Tampa Bay does. And no one the Packers face, really. Probably until Buffalo. Buffalo is going to get healthier. You you expect Trey White to be back by then. Jordan Poyer to be back by then. Ed Oliver to be back by then. Who knows what happens in the interim. But there are very few teams in the NFL that have the personnel that, that Tampa does. Now, you do need to beat Tampa, presumably, in the playoffs. But they showed they can beat them once. This offensive line held up, and you're just getting Elton Jenkins back. You're just getting David Bakhtiari back. So, they have some decisions to make. They can make them. And, you know, they, they don't really, un, unless and until Royce Newman becomes probably a bigger problem than he is now, they, they likely won't make a change. That would be my prediction. I would have already done it if, if they haven't already done it, they're probably not going to do it now. Despite the fact that I think clearly there's a chance to upgrade here. But you have to trust the infrastructure in Green Bay. They've been so good at developing these offensive linemen, coaching them up and, and improving them that I, I just have to sit here and trust that they have a better handle on this. That if they don't think Zach Tom is ready, although Matt LaFleur said he's going to continue to, f- to, to fight to start that if they don't think he's ready, then he's not ready. I have to just trust this coaching staff because they have a track record that says I should trust them. I wouldn't trust every coaching staff. But I do trust this Green Bay coaching staff to get it right. All right, before we get to justice, let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a really fun way to put your football knowledge on the line to make some money. All you have to do is look at the projections from prize picks, they're just going to set a number. Let's say Aaron Rodgers passing yards and you need to decide if you think Aaron is going to throw for more or less than that number. You're not playing against anyone else. There's no one out there with algorithms who are going to like submit a million lineups like other daily fantasy sites. This is not like that. You are just identifying if you think the players are going to go above that number or produce less than that number you're playing against that number you put a couple of them together and you wage your money and you could get serious payback from it we're talking about two times to 10 times what you're putting in and because you listen to locked on packers they will match your first deposit up to $100 promo code locked on that's all you need you put money in Put 100 bucks in, they'll give you 100 bucks. You put 50 bucks in, they'll give you 50 bucks. Go to Prize Picks and use the promo code LOCKED ON to get that deposit bonus. Joining me now, fresh off his appearance with Mina Kimes on the Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny to preview the week three matchup, Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company, here to talk about what happened in Tampa Bay in what was apparently oppressive heat. Uh, Justice, it's, it's great to be with you. Great to have you. Uh, As we as we look at this game I wanted to start with one specific thing that you brought up after the game and that is 21 personnel the two running back looks have just not been what we thought and or even hoped they would be so before we get to what you think they should be. What do you think is going
1: wrong with these looks right now. So the two back stuff is interesting right because we heard since the summer. Stenovich being like we want to get these guys involved we really didn't get a look at it in the preseason because obviously the starters were held out they're running a different offense with the backups they're just trying to get normal looks for these guys um they come into the regular season and you definitely see an uptick in how many pony snaps they play right the two back you know 20 21 personnel stuff they've played as much of it this year as they have already last year in its entirety the whole season um They haven't changed what they do though. It's a lot of split back gun, just like one of the guys out of the backfield is going to bubble. And then the other guy is going to run some sort of run play, usually inside or outside zone. The problem with that is all their split back gun looks. I charted them last night. It's something, you know, two and change yards per play in the split back gun looks. So that's including, you know, all the RPOs, which by the way, they're running RPO, like 60 something percent of the time Mm -hmm. out of it. Um, you know, RPOs, play action shots, stuff like that. When they're with, when they use two backs, but they aren't in split back gun, like they do stuff like Aaron Jones is going to line up in the slot and run like jet motion and stuff like that. They're averaging like seven yards per play. So I think like the, the issue with the pony personnel isn't necessarily like you shouldn't get Jones and Dylan, you know, on the field together. It's like, you shouldn't have two guys in the backfield. You're using two guys that you then cannot like Go downfield like passing game routes, anything like that. And it just seems like the RPO stuff, they've been better throwing the ball downfield on RPOs this year than they have throwing it, you know, behind the line of screamers like they used to do with Devontae and stuff. Like when we're seeing the RPOs in games right now and they're going for decent yards and it's, you know, Dobbs or Randall Cobb or whoever, it's all these glances that are like seven yards downfield, right? Like get, just get out of the split back gun stuff. If the running back runs another bubble out of the backfield this year, I'm going to freak out because it has not been working. <laughs> Tampa Bay nailed it too. I mean, there are a couple of plays in the Tampa game where they clearly were expecting them to run that same little just bubble inside zone play. And the way Tampa kind of handled it was, you know, numbers wise, they would have the numbers, you know, to be able to take away the bubble, right. In terms of just influencing Rodgers to like hand the ball off. But then they would have a guy screaming off of the edge, trying to run down Aaron Jones. And it's like, in that situation, you know, it's it's like the Zedarius play that he made at the goal line in week one. It's like the answer is Aaron Rodgers pulls it. Now, do you want the a- answer? Like your offense, the defense gets to decide, hey, the 38-year-old quarterback's going to pull the ball here. I don't think that's necessarily how you want to draw plays up. So like, get into the other stuff. Get into – use Aaron Jones as a wide receiver. Have something weird where like – A.J. Dillon every once in a while lines up as a wing tight end and they have to line up to a two tight end surface when only one tight ends in the game. Right. Like the same stuff that they use Alan Lazard for. Right. The, the yep. be, being able to use, you know, flexible formations based off of the personnel. That's what they need to get into, because right now the defense on the opposite sideline and probably Bowles would tell you it is saying like, oh, Dillon and, and Aaron Jones are coming into the game, probably getting like a little bubble zone on RPO right now and it's making it way too easy for defenses.
0: Do you think if the Packers because their passing game right now is is pretty compressed you mentioned being able to push the ball down the field like Aaron Rodgers has I think the lowest eight out of his career through 3 weeks, one of the lowest eight outs in the league. If they could push the ball vertically a little bit better on whatever formation is out there, do you, how much do you think that would lighten things up or is
1: this just a matter of this is a tendency and if they don't break the tendency, they're just screwed. I think it's just breaking a tendency and in- Again, the problem is it's hard to get those two guys lined up in the backfield influencing a vertical passing game. So the Packers have talked about, you know, we, we hate seeing all this too high stuff. Like it's forcing us to run the ball, all that. Tampa was playing single high against uh, the split back gun stuff. But like, how are you going to beat cover three when you only have three guys on the line of scrimmage? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's the big problem where it's like, okay, you have three deep zone. We have three deep guys being able to run routes. Like, is the offensive line going to be able to hold up long enough to have Aaron Jones run a wheel route out of the backfield or something like that? Because that's the best shot that you got at that point. Um, so really, I, I, I think the opportunities are just going to come in general. I mean, we've had some weird stuff happen early on in the season, right? The uh, the double move, Christian Watson, everyone rem- rem- or remembers that. Mm-hmm. Last week it was uh Juwan Winfrey I mean he basically you know ran into I can't remember who the other guy was they were running like double crossers basically and uh they ran into each other when Winfrey was pretty clearly going to be open on a deep shot so not there's not a whole lot of opportunities for them to go with the ball deep at this point but I think they're going to get shots you know later on Yeah that was one of those plays
0: that they actually in the in the the Jordan Love game where he looks pretty good they ran that same concept I think two or three times and they hit Dobbs on it once and they hit Winfrey on it once and they ran it with Dobbs and Winfrey and they totally screwed up the spacing. It's like yeah. you were even running this in the preseason yeah. and still screwed up the spacing on it. And you're right. Just by, I mean, coverage, it's, a, it's a, Winfrey stable. was going to be open.
1: Yeah. It's a staple play. It's, it's Yankee. It's what yeah. um we, we wrote it up last week. Cause it's what uh uh Sammy Watkins was getting open on, on those deep shots. Um, So yeah, it, that was just unfortunate. It's like you run that, 10 times, nine times that thing is butt naked, wide open, right? And it's like, <laughs> that's why I'm saying, like, they'll have opportunities. It's looking really bad right now. I think part of it too is Tampa's such a unique defense. I mean, yeah. they're not going to play Tampa every week. No, because there's only one Tampa. There's only right. one, literally one team that's as talented as them on every level of the field that's healthy right now. And beyond that, I mean, Bowles just does crazy blitzes. The t- one of the Tunyon catches for a first down. Bull sends the craziest blitz I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I mean, they just bail out an entire side of coverage. They send an entire side and then blitz like the uh, the like safety or something. And it, it's just crazy. I mean, you get five guys blitzing on the same side, and it's like there's no way that they, they can pick it up. And Rodgers got a tail on a bluff uh, from an outside linebacker, slid the entire protection, was able to deliver the ball to Tunyon for a first down. I mean, that stuff's not going to happen every week. I mean, that was a legit chess match on Sunday. And and it was
0: really fun and and Rodgers was winning the chess mass in the first half and did not uh, do it in the same in the second half. I want to ask you about that. Great segue. Uh, what what changed to your eye in the second half for this team? Because to me, it looked like they just said, "All right, we're just not going to play six eight yards deep. Like we're just going to be up in your face. We're going to take away those little underneath. You want to throw those RPOs?
1: All right. Well, here's three guys rallying to the ball. What did you see? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think uh, the fourth quarter is when. Tampa really nailed down on that split back gun RPO. Right. And that's kind of an example of them changing their philosophy in game. Right. They just said like, Hey, all they want to do is throw quick game stuff and run. Like we got to be able to stop them. And I think that's why you saw, you know, the Packers kind of start doing a little bit more of like the boot action stuff, like Romeo Dobbs caught a couple of them on, you know, in the flat off of play action and stuff like that later in the game. Um, They just couldn't, Get big plays going. I mean, I know they had the Lazard slot fade, right? They had the opportunity to win free that we already mentioned. But outside of that, I mean, you got to have more than two shots at some point in the second half. So Romeo Dobbs took that glance around right and made it a big play. But that was, yeah. that's not designed to be, you know, it's not a shot play in the same way. Right. Exactly. So I I, I just kind of think Green Bay in the situation that they were in where they were like, look, we're up two scores. They literally have six points, right? Like, <laughs> let's just play a little bit more conservatively. And don't give Tom Brady a short field. So I, I, I think they just decided, like, punts or wins. Punts or wins. And and the only time the
0: Packers really had issues was when they turned the ball over. And as long as yeah. they don't do that, you know, if Aaron Jones doesn't turn that ball over, you know, this game is not even really, really in doubt ever. I
1: celebrated half. A, a win already at right. halftime because they, they were they were driving. And I was like, there's, we're about to go up three scores, three scores on Tampa. There's no way with their wide receivers can, can they score that many points? And then Aaron Jones coughed it up on the one yard line immediately. And people accused me of jinxing them. So, <laughs> well, I don't think you jinx them. I, I do want to ask you about this defense because I,
0: I, and I pointed this out on our live show. I pointed it out on Twitter, 89 of their 285 yards. Tampa's did came on that last drive under 200 yards for the game going into the final two and a half minutes of the game. The defense looked really good and they changed some of their tendencies. What did, what did you see from this defense? What do you think we can actually take away? Given that no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, no Julio Jones.
1: As, as far as what to take away, I think Nixon played solid. I yeah. think Russell is perfectly fine playing outside if he needs to do that. Um, Stokes played really well. Kenny Clark, amazing game. If he makes all pro or whatever this year, I mean, this is one that you, hang he's been unreal this season point to it. Yeah. He's, he's been nuts. Um, I think the pass rushers were good in general. The Packers did start blitzing a little bit. It was usually with Quay. I think they were green dogs, which means like, you know, the running back blocks, then you blitz. It's not necessarily like you blitz, hundred percent of the time, it's like yep. he's reading it. He's just so explosive, though. It's kind of crazy. um Packers from what and Fournette I, blocked it well. There were a couple of rushes yeah. that Quay had that were really good, and Fournette just stoned him. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a big boy too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he again, he's not always going to get uh Fournette either. You know, right? Six one two
0: forty in the backfield.
1: Yeah, they played a lot of cover one, which I thought was interesting, but it was always off. I mean, they were playing man. I mean, they must have heard something from the fans, right? The fans were clamoring, play man, play man, play man since week one. Like, we got we got rid of Like, if you guys wanted to play man, Pettin would have been the guy. Um, <laughs> but they played a bunch of cover one, but it was off coverage. And you would have, you know, that last drive. It seemed like, too, they just wanted to get a hat on a hat and make it as long as possible for Tom Brady. You know, they're playing the clock, too. All that stuff. They would have, like, you know, they're in the backfield. Tom Brady motions the running back, you know, all the way outside. And then Quay Walker lines up all the way outside. They don't usually do that because they're usually his own team. Usually that would be handled by the corner, which is why all these people were saying, play man, play man, play man. Well, now you're giving Tom Brady a read of, okay, this team is clearly in man coverage and they're in off coverage. So he would just like throw slants, throw slants, throw slants over the middle of the field. Um, I don't know if that was the right route to stop him. I mean, obviously they got the touchdown. They made the game long. It came down to a defensive play, and, and you know they beat it. They beat the uh, two point conversion to not send the game into overtime, but it was too soft for me. It really was. And I know yeah. you're going against Tom Brady, but like, not even one, not even once, did you test him? You just give him free access to the slot receivers the entire time. That that was kind of a bummer to me.
0: Yeah, I, I think, and and you touched on it too, like that. The same with the Bears' drive, like it, no, it was, it was dispiriting to see, but that was a coverage decision, that was a personnel decision, and so that's it's it's not the same because the game wasn't in the balance against Chicago, it was against Tampa. So you really would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive in a situation like that, and and I want to go back to Romeo Dobbs for a second because he just looks like the guy that we saw in the preseason in this game. And he is better with the ball in his hands than I thought he was. He's better underneath than I thought he was. I didn't think he was a vertical only guy, but I certainly did not think right away. He could be this um, underneath and with the ball in his
1: hands. What did, what impression did he leave on you? Yeah, I'm really excited about this guy. I mean, he was a high school running back. Uh, I think he played a little bit of option quarterback too. First play at at uh, Nevada, he was on the field for it was like an eighty yard punt return touchdown. <laughs> I look, why when when other people get healthy, right? And he doesn't necessarily need to be the guy who's leading the team in in receiving and all that stuff. Why isn't he a guy that we're trying to get the ball on? You know, punt return or something like that. That's the part that I don't understand. Yeah, Where I'm like, why aren't we getting him more involved? Why aren't we running some of the jet motion stuff that Watson can run? With him because I don't think he's a slow. I mean, he was coming off of an injury and ran like a four five. I think he's pretty clearly a four-four wide receiver. Yeah. So he looked like a four four guy in Nevada. That yeah. Why not use him in those ways? So I'm I'm really excited about him. Obviously, you know, he's a rookie. Um I'm not sure how strong he is at the catch point. He he did have that play. one where he got hit at the at his at the stem and still Rogers threw it to him yeah. and he snatched that ball away from his frame, and you just went, Oh, okay. He he it's it's weird to explain cuz it's like he has really good hands but I don't know how strong he is at the catch point. And he can you know, get moved off his spot too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he's not as big as some of the Packers other wide receivers and stuff. Um but I mean when a guy like Christian Watson's out and uh Sammy Watkins is out like you're going to need a guy like Dobbs cuz imagine if Dobbs goes down. That's I mean that's really the indi- the indictment of like how important Dobbs is, right? If Dobbs goes down, who replaces him? I don't think we have a guy. I mean, if you're especially if you're down Watson and Dobbs, then you just have nothing vertical at all. Right, exactly. Like that that's the point that we're at where it's like he ha- he's the dude. He's the dude for us right now until Watkins comes back.
0: You you have to you have to hope that those guys are relatively healthy and and moments like this, these these games can set you up. I mean, if if he is the guy, I mean, we've seen rookies essentially lead teams in the playoffs and be fine. Like he's not Jamar chase, but like the Bengals were just like a decent team last year and got hot and, and rode a great quarterback and, and a lucky kind of defense. And, and the skilled players made enough plays. Like I think they can, they can do some of that, but they, they need, they need some of these other guys to step up in, in um, a more meaningful way than we've seen so far. Uh, this was awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on. And uh, we'll we'll check back in with you down the line. Thanks, Justice. For sure. Anytime, man. All right. Thanks to Justice for joining the show. Awesome insight from him always. Um, he does the work. I loved the, the numbers in there about pony personnel and the difference between three yards a play and seven yards per play. Just run the offense. I mean, that's the thing that I think we're finding out is you can just run the offense. You don't need to get too cute. The offensive scheme is good enough. The players are good enough. The offensive line is good enough. And the coach-quarterback connection is good enough. And we know Aaron Rodgers is good enough. Like that was not a question. So you can just run the offense. You Now, do you get to do all the things that Devontae Adams allowed you to do? No. But you can more or less just run the offense. And and you trust that Matt LaFleur is going to be creative enough. And Aaron Rodgers is, is going to be effective enough. And everyone is going to execute. And you're going to get what you're looking for. I mean, look, every every Romeo Dobbs touch is schemed up. Who cares? He produced off of them. Well, but that means you don't need to do anything fancy. You don't need to have it out of any sort of crazy formation. You don't need to do trickeration to get him the ball. I mean, the, the Raiders are running reverse passes for Devontae Adams. Like, you don't have to do that. Just run the offense, and it's going to work. That's, that's what I think we're learning here. And that was against you know, arguably the best defense in football. So a lot more to come here this week. Lily Zhao on the show tomorrow. Zhao, you doing? We've got crossover Thursday, and we've got our live show on Friday. A lot here to come this week for Packers, Patriots. It looks like Mac Jones is out. Looks like it's going to be Brian Hoyer, or Bailey Zappi. Not ideal for the Patriots. Just fine for the Green Bay Packers. All right. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. Stay Locked on Packers.